God is so good, isn't he? He is so good. Isn't it beautiful outside this morning? Oh, man, it was so good walking up into the building this morning, feeling cool, feeling nice and everything. God really is good. And it's, it's funny how that changes, you, you know, if you kind of look at the perspective of God in that sense and you, you draw your conclusions out of knowing that he is good, it really changes how you see everything else that's happening in your life. Um, that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about tonight, though, or today. Um, uh, well, it does, but, you know. Um, but uh, if you don't know me, uh, my name is Brian. Um, I'm one of the pastors here at Crosstown. Paul, Pastor Paul, is, uh, he's up in uh, the New England area doing a wedding for his nephew, Shawan, um, up there. And uh, so he's having a great time doing that. I think he's back on his way now. But um, he asked me to... Uh, uh, teach this morning, and so um, I'm really excited for it, but as I was kind of preparing um, today for today, I realized as I was writing things down a lot that I, um, in most of my examples, that I bring up my daughter, and I, it might be because I'm a, um, there she is, there, you know, my wife is probably like, why did you pick the one where, you know, <laughs> you guys look like that, but um, that's my daughter. It communicates exactly what I want you to know about her. Um, she's goofy, she's awesome, and uh, she's my only daughter, and uh, so she's got dad dad wrapped around her finger. So um, she comes up a lot in uh, these examples this morning that I have, um, and so I wanted to make sure y'all had a, a good picture to refer back to when I mentioned her um, this morning. But So we've been diving into this idea all about liturgy, um, and about how we all have these liturgies. We all have things that we do. We have these habits that we get into. Um, and if we're really honest with ourselves about these habits, um, that many of them may have been derived somewhat out of just, they came about because of the chaos of our lives, or they came about through the chaotic portions of our lives, or the mayhem, as Pastor Paul put it. Um, they came about in that way, where it's like, okay, this is how I wake up in the morning. I get up in the morning, and I, it's... We only have 30 minutes to get, our, get the kids ready for school and we gotta rush out the door. And so some of our liturgies turn into that where we're in a rush. Our habit is that we're just in a rush on, in the mornings and stuff. And so we gotta find rest elsewhere because mornings just aren't that. And so we've been talking about that um, and how these, these liturgies or those habits become somewhat what we will call them normalcies um, of our lives. But you know, that's just how life operates. That's just how it goes because we gotta get through the day. We gotta get through these things. But in reality, it's a habit or pattern of life that we've established that was derived from that mayhem and we gotta see it. And God is not in the business of mayhem in our lives. He's in the business of, of restructuring things out of chaos. He's in the business of establishing that order in our lives. So that's exactly what we've been after these past few weeks with all the different things that we've been um, talking about. And so we all have these patterns that we do um, in, our, in our day-to-days and week-to-week. Sometimes we just do them. Sometimes we just get into the habit of them. Sometimes it's because it's the easiest thing to do, like that habit of waking up where we just go because we're in a rush. We have to do things a certain way or our conversations end up a certain way because that's the easiest way for me to communicate what I want you to know and I'm not gonna take into account what God wants me to say in this conversation. Sometimes it comes from, it's passed down from our parents, from the people we interacted with in our lives when we were younger. Um, sometimes it's passed down or we get it from our spouses. Sometimes it's, it's from the environment surrounding us, our work environments. 
We, we derive these habits and these patterns of life that we do from our surroundings. Um, but what we're doing in this series is we're looking at establishing some sort of rule of life for us, some intentionality to the patterns of our day-to-day lives. Um, we're trying to consciously apply the plan of God to even the most mundane little things that we do throughout our day-to-day um, instead of just trying to go with the flow of things. We're trying to live with this intentionality that God wants, to ta- wants us to have in our lives. So we're trying to challenge that idea of this managed mayhem. That idea, we're challenging that. Our, how our habits in our marriage just keep us from going under in our marriage or how our habits um, just barely keep things from looking like a complete mess in our lives. Um, or how our habits and our finances just barely keep us from messing it all up. Like we're trying to challenge that living on the edge mentality of the mayhem that we're allowing with our habits. So Paul teaches it this way because God wants to establish this rule of intentionality so that we can experience flourishing in his principles. So Paul says in Ephesians chapter five, verse five through, that uh, is not, yeah. It's in verse five. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So the passing time done unwise is bad. That's without God. It's bad. It's evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So understand what God wants you to do with this time and be wise with it. So even every moment of passing time, God is trying to insert something with you. So we've been looking at these liturgies and we've been using an example of a trellis as this for liturgies. Every one of us here is, like I said, growing something with their habits. You're growing something with the passing of days. So whether that's a pattern of addiction, whether it's your temper that you're growing, whether you're growing bitterness, or maybe you're growing a family. We start to sound good on some of these things. Maybe you're you're growing an intimate relationship. Maybe you're Um, growing your relationship with your spouse, those things. The question is, are we setting up this growing structure or growing with structure, like a trellis, that can bring this flourishing and raise up out of the ground something that's supposed to be there, not the other things that are trying to grow in your life. Trying to raise up something that God wants you to raise up in your life. That's what these trellises are for. These liturgies are these patterns of living that we repeat over and over that follow this pattern of God. So up to this point, we've been looking at inserting God into all of our day-to-day habits because of that. So we all like, you know, we have to wake up in the morning. Well, I guess we don't have to wake up, but we, we get to wake up. Praise God for that. We get to wake up in the morning, and then we all have these meal times. We all, like I said, when you wake up in the morning, you have these things that you have to do. You, we all have to eat at some point. We all have to go to bed. We all have to enter into these conversations. So the idea was insert God into these moments. Insert God into these habits. Bring God into it. Um, get in the habit of when you, when you have mealtime, let's make the most of that time rather than it just being for food. Let's not just eat together, but let's turn off the TV. Let's, let's have a conversation. This, those are times when like, me, my wife, and Ireland are sitting down and we get to actually talk about their day. Like I get, to, I get to find out what Ireland's learning at her school. I get to find out what Dee had, you know, which kids are bad kids at her school because she's a teacher. 
Um, I get to find out all kinds of good. No, she tells me a lot of wonderful things um, when she's at school. Um, but I get to find out all kinds of things in that moment. And it's, it's those moments of intentionality that bring flourishing to our family. So what I want to do this morning, what I want to look at this morning are habits of devotions. And when I say devotions, most of us, you know, especially those of us who grew up in church, when you think of devotions, um, you go straight to the idea of like a quiet time, right? You go to the idea where you get away, you pray, um, you open, maybe open up some scripture, you read it, um, you pray, boom, I did my devotion, got it, done. And, you know, you'd be right. That's, that's what we know of as devotions. But I want to kind of expand on that some more. Ireland and I, we, uh, we do devotions in the morning. Here we go, bringing up Ireland, first thing. So we, we do a devotion with Ireland in the mornings, um, and we do one with her at night too, but we do, uh, one of the devotions we did recently was all about finding a quiet place to get away from everybody else and to go pray, um, to go be with God, to find that quiet place to go. And so we're, the three of us are sitting there, and I'm like, all right, let's go do it. Let's get up and let's take five minutes. And she just turned four, but let's take five minutes and let's go find a place to go and let's, let's go be in a quiet place to have a quiet time with God. And so we all run to different places in the house. Our house is not very big, so we're kind of in the same proximity, but we all run. She runs into her room and she goes under her bed and she sits there and waits. I go to uh, my room and Dee's walking around. She's like, you're in this space. This is the only other space. Where do I go? And then, so after about, you know, I said five minutes after about like 30 seconds, I'm sitting there like that. And then Ireland comes out of the, her room and she's like, when is somebody going to come find me? <laughs> and I'm like, what? She's like, we're playing hide and seek, right? Like, no, that's not what we're doing. <laughs> so, but that, that kind of is what we know to be devotions, right? That's kind of what it is, is we do that. But I want to expand this thinking some more on what devotions are. Um, I kind of want to get to the base uh, meaning, I guess, behind it, you could say, because if that is all it is to you, then you may be missing out on other opportunities that God wants to bring you in. So first, let's get to how, how devotions are different from all the other things, all the other liturgies or habits that we've been talking about is that everything else is, we're talking about inserting it along the way. Like you're already waking up in the morning, so let's make liturgies and habits about you waking up in the morning. You're already having mealtimes, you're already having conversations. Let's insert God into those moments, right? So devotions though, is making it a habit or liturgy of going out of your way, out of the way you're already going to go be in God's presence, to go make, make a meeting with God, to actually go be in his presence. That's what, that's what makes it different. So why is it important to go out of your way to meet with God rather than spend your whole day inserting God into everything that you're already doing? See, God, God actually gives us great example in scripture, and we're going to talk a lot about that. But um, there, there is good reason for us to stop our lives and go the path and actually meet with him rather than saying, come, come follow along with me, God. I, I will put you into all the things of my life, but you're coming with me. 
So in the story of Moses, he kind of illustrates this. We're going to talk a lot about Moses this morning. Um, Moses is awesome. Uh, if, you're, if you're not super familiar with the Old Testament, I really encourage you to go through. There are some parts where it seems like a drab. It's kind of boring. It's slow and stuff. But um, what I want to kind of communicate today is that there, there are a lot of things that seem uninteresting that God is like, ooh, this is, this is special revelation. This is good stuff right here. Let me, let me show you this. Like, this is good stuff. Um, and uh, it's, it's really exciting things. So I encourage you, go into it and uh, read, your, read your Old Testament too, because it all connects. So the story of Moses illustrates a lot of this. Um, and I'm gonna summarize the key parts because um, if you don't know, if you're not familiar with it, Moses is, he's, you know, Genesis through to Deuteronomy, there's so many chapters in there, um, but much of what we're talking about encompasses from like the second half of Exodus all the way to the end of Deuteronomy. So I'm gonna give you some of the key things that we need to know um, in order to get this idea about devotions. So what we need to know, it begins with Moses leading the Israelites on their journey to the promised land after God rescues them from slavery in Egypt. Right, So he does this big, great thing where he rescues his people out of slavery and says, go to this land. This is where I'm taking you. Um, and it's the promised land. And so then going from there, he gets these instructions to build this portable structure that they're supposed to bring with them everywhere they go. And it's called the tabernacle. And uh, that's in the second half of the book of Exodus. So we need to understand the significance of this thing that God told Moses to build and carry with the tribes wherever they go called the tabernacle. This thing is very, um, this is an interesting construction here. The significance of this and what should draw you to um, find the significance to this when you're reading it is there is so much description of the tabernacle to the, to the measurements of the cloth, to those posts, to how many of them there should be, to where the altars should be placed, to where the tent of meeting is, to where all of these things, there's so much description even to like how the priests are supposed to act in there, what they're supposed to do, when they're supposed to do it. There's so much specific description on all of these things. And then if you see out on the edges there, this is the best image that I could find of somebody recreating this. Um, and uh, if you see on the edges there, they're surrounded by the encampments of the tribes of Israel who were all going on this journey to the promised land. What's a little side note, what's super interesting um, is that right here is the entryway of the tabernacle and it points east, always supposed to point east. That was a specific commandment. And then the tribe of Judah was placed in front of that. They're always supposed to be there. And it's an interesting thing because you have to walk through the tribe of, you have to walk through Judah in order to get into the meeting place of God. So a lot of uh, symbolism types of things there with, you know, the Lion of Judah and all that stuff. It's Christ, a little foreshadowing, it's good stuff. Um, but what's really interesting about this though is that this whole thing was designed and given to Moses as instructions to resemble the Garden of Eden for the Israelites. So what happened in the Garden of Eden when they were kicked out because they had messed up, right? Adam and Eve messed up, they get kicked out of it. They're removed from it. 
in when they're moving through, going to the promised land, when the Israelites are moving through, going to the promised land, they mess up. But what God is communicating constantly from Genesis all the way through is that I want to meet, I want to dwell with my people. I want to be with my people. And so God says, I'm gonna make sure that I can be with you guys. I'm gonna make sure, I'm gonna make a way. Now it's gonna be, it's gonna be complicated, it's gonna be very precise, but this is the way that I can come down from Mount Sinai and I can come dwell in the midst of you as you travel. I can come be with you so that you can meet with me, so that you can still have this garden moment. So the tabernacle is supposed to represent that, to be this place of meeting with God like the garden was. So we're supposed to be in his presence, walk with him in the cool of the evening like the garden. We're supposed to be given the, the ability to steward over the garden, to be a big part of that, to speak titles over all the creatures of the land. That was all the original intention. And so God gives them this tabernacle. So the thing about meeting though with a holy God, holy and powerful God, is that you can't just do it when you are a mortal sinful being. You can't just step into it. We know now, or we have now, we have Jesus Christ who has done this, but back then, this is how they had to do it. There were things like rituals they had to perform. They had ordained priestly intercessors. We now have the great high priest, Jesus, who does this for us, and then they had these moral purity commands to follow. But the whole idea behind this is God wanted, he wanted to meet with his people. He wanted to dwell in the midst of his people. So this idea of a place of meeting is super important. Um, this, this whole thing was described in, uh, there were seven chapters about the furnishings. There are seven chapters about the priests and what they're supposed to wear and how they're supposed to operate. There's seven chapters. There's, there's all these chapters. There's about 50 different chapters about descriptions of the tabernacle in scripture. And so this, this place of meeting was so important to God. And like I said, we don't have to perform these rituals anymore um, or get a priest to intercede for us because now we have Christ but we're still connected to this idea of the garden and the tabernacle. We're still connected to that idea, and this is still important to us. So all of these things, all of those details that are written there are all to make us remember that the Lord wants us to walk with him in the garden, to remember him, remember the things that he's done for us. He wants us to remember his presence, that he is there, he says things like, remember Israel that you were once slaves to death in Egypt, but now are set free to be delivered to the promised land. And we take that and we can remember, Christian, you were once slaves to sin and death, but now you're set free to walk in God's presence on earth and in heaven. So all of that is from Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and now getting to the book of Deuteronomy. Moses has to pass the torch onto Joshua, this important guy. Now, because he has to let Joshua finish leading his people into the promised land. Um, Moses was commanded to go to a mountain and to watch them enter into it and to not himself enter into it. And there's a whole thing um, about that. That's not what we're talking about today. But 
but it being the last time he gets to communicate to the Israelites, it's, it's pretty sure that he would have chosen these words carefully or he would have listened to what God wanted them to, him to say to the Israelites very carefully. So in Deuteronomy 4.9, Moses says, only take care and keep your soul diligently lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. So this here is the big theme of Moses' parting words. And this is in chapter four of Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy goes on for many, many more chapters. And they're all about the, this theme. Remember not to forget. Like remember, don't forget the Lord. Remember not to forget the Lord. Remember not to forget to meet with him. Only take care to keep your soul diligently. Remember, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen. Don't forget. So to be intentional or else you'll forget the things that God has done for you or brought to your life. So devotions are about getting into the habit of remembering to meet with God, to go out of your way to meet with God. Moses uses this type of remembrance language all throughout Deuteronomy and his challenges to his people to the people. These things that he talks about are all those calls to devotion. Moments that you go out of your way to look at the tabernacle furnishings, to go walk through, to meet with God and be like, oh, those curtains, they represent this. Oh, that altar represents this. This is the meeting with God that I'm going after. This is, okay, stepping into the tabernacle further and further. It's all to remind us to meet with God and to reflect on them. So Moses calls out these specific habits. He calls out so many in there, and we're not gonna go over a whole, like a bunch of them. I'm only, I'm only going to point out a few, um, but I really do encourage you to go through and study these things because there's so much rich, richness and wisdom with us having the revelation of Christ and knowing Christ to apply it to what the Old Testament is talking about here and what Moses is commanding these people. So the first one that we're talking about is right there in Deuteronomy 4.9. It says, make them known to your children and your children's children. So remember not to forget to practice devotions with your next generation. Like I said, we, we do devotions with Ireland and we switch on and off um, one night. We'll, the three of us will get together, we'll pray real quick, and then uh, it'll be mama's night. And then Ireland and mama go to the bedroom and then she lays with them, reads the devotional and all that stuff, and then it'll be dad's night, and then we'll switch um, the next night. So it was my night a couple, couple nights ago um, when uh, Ireland asked for the story of uh, Naaman. And I was like, Naaman? <laughs> like, who's that? Like, who knows who Naaman is? You mean know the story of Naaman specifically? A handful of, I just, I could count the number of hands. Yeah, me too. Like, I was, for a second there, I was like, wait, Naaman? I know, I know he's in the Bible, I heard of it before and stuff. I know he's there. I know that's a biblical name and stuff. And uh, she, she was like, yeah, you know, you know the one about the, the little girl that like forgives the guy and like then he gets healed because he's like all sick on his skin and stuff. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, well, let me go. Let me find that story. We go through her little children's devotional book and then I open up to it and I'm like, 
oh yeah, that's the guy who goes to Elisha and like Elisha tells him, go bathe in the river. And then he's like, what? I'm important. I can't do it that way. And then all this stuff. But it, the servant girl who Naaman, Naaman has a slave girl and the slave girl forgives him for destroying her, her whole camp basically and takes her as a slave. And she's like, hey, I know how our master can get healed. Send Naaman onto this. So this forgiveness there and stuff. And then we finished that story. I'm like, man, that was awesome. That was great. Like, I can't believe she knew that. And then she's like, dad, I can't please read me one more. And this is probably bad, but I was like, no. <laughs> like, <I'm> like, <laughs> I was like, it's time to go to bed. Like, that was a great story. Like, it's time to go to bed. But like I said, she's, you know, my only daughter. And so she's, she can kind of ask for whatever and I give in. So <laughs> I, I open up her devotional book and I'm like, all right, baby, what, what do you want to read? Like, pick, pick one of them. I'm flipping through and it's this like dark, dreary looking picture with three crosses on the hill. And it's like all red and all this stuff. And she's like, whoa, stop. Can you read me that one? And I was like, ooh, okay. All right, we're going to end on a solemn note. And so I flip back and forth through it to see where it ended, like if it ended with his resurrection. I was like, a high note, yeah. And then, or did it end? It ended on him, you know, dying and being buried. And I was like, ooh, okay. I was like, let's read another one and stuff. Maybe, maybe we can do a twofer on this one another night. Because I was like, I'm going to have to read three now. <laughs> but I know that sounds terrible, but, um, but it's not as terrible <laughs> as it sounds. Some of y'all are probably like, yeah, I wouldn't have read a second one either. Um, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, the ones laughing are like, He's right. But um, so yeah, I, I go to read it and I'm like, we, we talk about it and stuff. And it's like, yeah, Jesus was up on the cross and they were, being, they were being mean to him on the cross and he wouldn't get down from the cross. And Ireland's like, if they were being so mean to him, why wouldn't he get down from the cross? Like, why wouldn't he get down? It said he could save himself. And I was like, baby, it's because he knew that this was the only way that he could save his people. And he wanted to stay up there for us, for our sake, and save us. She's like, oh, Jesus is like the little girl in Naaman's story. He for, yeah, he, he's bringing forgiveness and stuff. I was like, oh my gosh, you're brilliant. Like, <laughs> this little four-year-old is amazing. Like, I know I'm bragging on my four-year-old. Everybody's, everybody's kid's their own favorite kid, but... Um, but it's, it's practicing devotions with your next generation. He calls that out. Make it known to your children and your children's children, the law of the Lord, the things, the things that he's told you or the things that you know of God, bring them to the next generation. Now, I know that sounds a whole lot like you need a little one of your own in your household in order to do this. That's not at all what this is. You don't have to have a little one of your own. Maybe you have adult children. Maybe you have, maybe your kids are all grown up and they're off on their own. Imagine what it would be if part of your devotion was to send them scripture or to send them something, a word of encouragement from God, to pray for them every day, and then to go out of your way to be like, hey, bud, I was thinking about you, and uh, this is what God laid on my heart for you. You don't have to respond. Or if, if you have a great relationship with your kid, your adult kid, that's awesome. Um, do respond. But this is what God laid on my heart for you. This is a part of, this can be a part of your devotion too, no matter what age you are. 
Um, Dee and I, we and some of the youth leaders, we all, we do this with our youth kids too. We'll send our devotions and stuff to like some chats and stuff that we have with the kids. And like now it's gotten to the point where some of them will send us their devotions, which is awesome. Like it's that moment all over again where Ireland was like teaching me some stuff or reminding me of some things. Um, The next one, another devotion to the Lord that Moses says, remember not to forget. Remember not to forget to give thanks for their blessings, to give thanks, to praise him for the things that he's done. So Dee and I, we, like I said, um, we have uh, our house, we bought our house actually to the day last year, basically, pretty much. Um, we bought our house, um, and it's a, it's a real old house. It was built in, I mean, some of y'all are gonna laugh because maybe it's not that old. It's old to us. Um, built, it was built in the 70s. It's got brick and all that stuff. Um, and there, some people are laughing. Uh, and uh, so, but with the age, there's, there's always a lot of things to fix. There's all these things, you know, that are always broken or whatever. Little, everything needs an upgrade or whatever. Um, lots of things that need fixing. Like we just got, it didn't have a dishwasher or a place for a dishwasher. So um, somebody uh, graciously gave us one and I cut out the cabinets and I, was, I spent like a whole weekend doing this thing where I cut the thing out and then uh, made sure the electrical was, was right, got everything plumbed up and stuff. And then I went to go shove in the, uh, the uh, washer under the countertop and then I realized that our countertops are like this. Like, and so one side went under just fine and everything. I was like, are the levels not, are the feet not level? And I was twisting them. I was like, no, they're, they're level. Uh, the washer's level. Oh, no. Like, and so I was like, man, there is, everything's wrong with this place. <laughs> like, I cannot believe, I can't even get the dishwasher under the counter. And so I finally, I got it under enough to where I could just, I just grabbed the countertop and was like, Argh! and then just like, boom, and put it in there. And I was like, yeah, it's like sometimes, sometimes you just got to get the dishwasher to go in its spot. And I was just like, what in the world? There's, everything's, nothing's right with this place. I can't believe it. It's always something. And then, so uh, I catch my daughter, Ireland. She's standing in the quarter, corner, because I, I take all my tools and I like, um, you know, when you're in the middle of the project, uh, you kind of like, you don't want to put all your tools away and stuff. So you just leave them in the corner of like the kitchen where they don't go. Um, and I just had all my tools over there in the corner. I see Ireland over in the corner um, and she's got a wrench in her hand. She's like, you never do what I tell you to. <laughs> Why are you going? I'm like, what? I'm like, oh my goodness. Uh, don't, don't forget to give thanks for your blessings. And so I immediately I grab her and I'm like, baby, that wrench didn't do nothing to you. <laughs> like, it didn't do you any wrong, I promise. And so I'm like, isn't this place wonderful, <laughs> <laughs> trying to make, for, make up for it now. Um, but don't forget to give thanks for the blessings. We hunted for this house for so long. Oh my goodness. We had to spend a year living with Pastor Paul. Uh, it, it's not as bad as you think. Like he's, he is a, an amazing father-in-law. Um, I could not have asked for a better father-in-law in all seriousness. But that doesn't change the fact that you're living with your in-laws and there's, there's some inherent things with that. Um, but, and uh, Susan's awesome too. She's, I didn't need to explain that. Obviously, everybody was, <laughs> so I didn't feel like I needed to say it. But, <laughs> but yeah, so 
giving thanks for those blessings. I forget to give thanks that I even have a house to live in. Like in this market, oh my goodness, it's crazy. So it says in Colossians 3.17, um, it says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And it's, it's that idea that like, I can, I can step out of my way to make sure that instead of the, the on the way part is to complain about what's wrong with my house. That's on the way already. That's already in my face. I already know that my counter's not level and stuff. But to go out of the way and say, man, I was gifted this dishwasher to go in here and this is gonna save my wife 45 minutes every night and I get to be with her? Like, what? <laughs> I can't believe I missed that in that moment because I was complaining about all the stuff that's going on. So it's that moment of, of getting to meet with God in that, bringing God or going to meet with him in that and remembering what he's done for me, what he's provided so that I can even have that moment to be upset about. So the next devotion um, that you wanna remember not to forget is Moses says, giving your first fruits or your tithe. And it says, Deuteronomy 26, eight through 11. It says, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. He's reminding us again where, we, where he came from. Um, reminding the Israelites with great deeds of terror, with signs and wonders. So those are like the plagues that he brought upon Egypt um, showing a, a really cool thing there is that all those plagues relate to the Egyptian gods who they thought had power over these like frogs and locusts and all that stuff. And he's like, no, make them stop then. Like I'm gonna send them, make them stop. And yeah, so those are the great deeds of terror and all that. Um, and he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And behold, now I bring the first fruit of the ground, which you, O Lord, have given me, and you shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. And you shall rejoice in all the good that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house, you and the Levite and the sojourner who is among you. That last part there is super important because... Um, well, before we go any further with, with this one, we need to remember the purpose of giving our first fruits um, to God. And in the Old Testament, they're told to set aside a tenth of their land, their produce, all this stuff, whatever they make. Abram set this example up, set aside a tenth before God's laws were even presented to Moses. And Jesus affirms tithing in Matthew when he talks to the Pharisees and he's like, look at you Pharisees, you give your tenth, but you forget justice, love, and mercy. And then he says, you should do justice, love, and mercy, but also don't forget the tenth and stuff. It should be in that order rather than the way the Pharisees were doing it. But he's affirming still the tithe. And so, but listen to what Paul says about tithe though. He, he adds a little bit to this. He's not really adding to it, but he's kind of making it more concise for us. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So this is important to take note of because sometimes you can tithe on auto pay. You can set it and forget it. And you would be missing the part where it says in Deuteronomy, and you shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. You'd miss the meeting place with God in your tithe. It's, it's like, 
when we tithe without this meeting place point, it's like we're saying that God wants our money. It has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with us giving him our money. It has everything to do with what you have decided in your heart to give, not under compulsion, but being cheerful and meeting with God. Take this moment to meet with God and to say, God, I honor you and I trust you that this, this is earthly things. And if you want this replaced in my life, you replace it, but it's yours. So I'm honoring you with this, take it. And now I want to sit in your blessing. Uh, I want to know that I'm in your presence. Let me take that moment. I'm in your presence because I trust you and I have faith with you. And there's the blessing. It's like, God, I trust you. Even when times are hard, God, I'm gonna trust you anyways. I'm gonna trust you with this. I'm gonna give this portion up that I think that I might need because I gotta buy stuff. I gotta buy food. I gotta buy these things. But God wants us to trust him. And that's that meeting place with God, that moment where he's going to be the provider not the money that's in your own pocket. And so the last one I wanna talk about is remember not to forget to serve those in need. So Deuteronomy 24, 19 and 22 says, when you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, a sheaf is like when they reap down um, the crop, they bundle it up and then they leave it and then they come back and gather them all up and they take them and that's their profits. Um, you shall not go back to get it. So if they forget one of those bundles and they leave it on the ground, they miss it and stuff and they're counting it up later and they're like, uh-oh, why are we off one or two or however many? You shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the sojourner or the fatherless and the widow that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. There he goes reminding them again where you came from, who your provider is, the one who wants to meet with you. So this, is, this devotion is all about making your time, instead of making it profitable to just you, just making it profitable in your sense, making your time profitable to someone else in a moment. Taking the time to make someone else profitable with your time. And through that, making it a habit to serve those is literally an opportunity to, to go out of your way to meet with God in that service to meet with him and to, in your bringing, when you go serve somebody, you're bringing that Garden of Eden meeting with God experience to somebody else. The, the Israelites were supposed to carry this tabernacle with them wherever they went. And then they had to, every time they settled camp, they had to pitch the tent again. They had to put all the stuff back up again. And this is, this is that moment where when you go to serve somebody else, you're like, hey, come, let me, let me help you in your time of need. Let me help you when you're, the fatherless or the widowed or the sojourner, when you're wandering, let me serve you now and let me bring this Garden of Eden moment to your life and have you get to meet with God too, with me. So all of these habits of remembering that Moses brings to the Israelites, sorry, are not, they're, they're to not let the desire to delight in his presence depart from our hearts. Like he said earlier, like Moses said earlier, lest we forget them and they depart from our hearts all the days of our lives. 
knowing that Christ tore the veil of the tabernacle and forever intercedes for us so that we can stand in this presence of God and know his love, that's what it is. That's what it's about. And some of you in here, you may have, you may have kind of realized that you might be doing some of these habits already. You might already have them, um, but, but the going out of the way and meeting with God in those moments are forgotten. Maybe you've got this great collection. It's, it's like you have a great collection of trellises. And you're like, look at this nice, pristine white trellis I got here. Just got it from Lowe's, set it up. Boom, there's that habit, there's that habit. What's that trying to grow up there? You're gonna get your little tentacle things, get my white trellis dirty. You start sweeping them off. You're forgetting to delight in the thing that God is growing out of you. The thing that he's trying to grow on your trellis. See, we gather together in church every Sunday and have these liturgies. We have liturgies that we do um, in our service. And every Sunday, we have a chance to go out of our way to turn these liturgies into meetings with God, to change them from just showing up here on Sunday. Good habit, it is a good habit. Um, We're glad that you're here but you might be missing the opportunity to meet with God. We're all in this room and it's a great habit, whether it's a social habit or not, that we say, would you guys stand with us and worship? And then everybody stands up and then we all, we worship together. Wonderful habit. Um, But sometimes we, we miss the meeting with God part of that habit. Some of us come in here and we stand and this is, this is it. And we forget that we do these things. We worship right before, right before we teach. We lead with songs because, so that it's literally the last thing that you did, the last liturgy you did or last habit you did was a chance to reposture your heart into praise and thanksgiving to God so that it's ready to receive him and to receive this meeting time with him. And so it's literally the last thing that we do before wisdom is shared. But sometimes we come in here and we don't wanna lift our hands. This is the out of the way part. This is like the, this is like the hard part. We, we, this is worship for us, this is our habit. We sit here and like, yeah, this is a part of it. I know this is a part of church. This is a part of being in this building and everybody else is standing up too. And it's okay to be here sometimes, but there's a, there's a moment when it's like, God, why, why don't I get you in this moment of song? Like when we're singing, you have to go out of your way. He wants to meet with you. You gotta go out of your way to just be like, Lord, I surrender to you in this moment. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be in this moment with you, Lord, and I'm going to see, I'm going to add this to my habits and surrender and try to receive you in this moment now. And we do that with a lot of the things of our service. And that's what Moses is trying to get us out of. 
forgetting the God part in our habits, forgetting to go out of our way to meet with him because he's doing all those things to try to meet with us. Psalm 134, two says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. This is just a reminder. It's a reminder to get your heart to meet with him. So as we were closing out, we can participate in another habit of devotion together. One is that where we can step out of the way of our normal way and we're going to, we can praise God. Okay, when it says lift your hands up to the Lord, I understand like some, some people maybe got shoulder issues, I don't know. We'll, we'll, just, we'll just give it to you and stuff. Then take your shoulders out of it and just put your hands here instead. Um, no, but try to meet with him. The other one that we're gonna do is there's the, the habit of meeting with your high priest. To, we serve communion here and it's a moment for you to reflect with God and to say, Lord, I surrender all the things that I may have wronged you in. Lord, I know you make me right. So I'm, I'm going to literally take this in remembrance of you. He says, take this body, take this blood, break this body, the blood poured out for you in remembrance of me. And that remembrance is him wanting to meet with you in that moment. Him wanting that moment with you. And then one of the other things we do is we have the cross over here. Some people go to the cross. Some of you may have looked over at it and been like, man, are those the problem people or something like that? They got problems or something? We've all got them, <laughs> believe me. Maybe you just haven't surrendered yours to him yet. And so part of it is going out of your way. Maybe you come get your, you come get communion, step over there, write, write something about meeting with God there and pin it to the cross. Something, a habit that maybe you've, you've let take over your time with meeting with God. Be like, I can't let this take over my time with you anymore, Lord. And just put it on the cross, leave it there. That's another moment of getting to just meeting with God, being intentional about not remember, remembering to not forget him. And that's what Moses was after. That's what he's all about. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. You are a good, good father. We thank you so much that you, you want to dwell in our midst and through the power of the Holy Spirit, so much so that you gave us the Holy Spirit and said, I, I'm going to dwell inside of you now. The challenge then is we forget sometimes. We forget that you're a part of us. Some, some people in here may be in the position where they don't know you yet. They don't, they don't have something to remember or they don't think they do right now about you. God, I pray that this moment right now would be that moment that they would say, I am going to add the Lord to my life. I'm going to receive him in, into my life. And this is gonna be my new liturgy. I'm gonna meet with him now. I'm gonna receive the blessings of his presence in my life. 
Thank you, God, so much for your love and your mercy. Thank you so much, Lord, that you want us to walk in the cool of the evening with you in the garden, that you want us to participate in that together. We love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray.